1: Good evening, folks. It's time for your Tuesday evening edition of It's News to Us, our daily podcast, taking a look at the day's top stories in Richmond. And top story actually isn't from Richmond. It's actually out uh, near Lynchburg, um, but it involves uh, a delegate. So it's kind of a local story, given uh, the General Assembly comes here every uh, every winter to uh, discuss laws and stuff. Um, delegate Matt Ferris running into some legal issues. Uh, David, what, did, what were you... Uh, able, able to get from uh, state police. What, what, what was going on there? Yes.
2: So, uh, there was a hit and run incident, uh, on March 2nd, uh, where a Chevy Tahoe allegedly, uh, crossed the center line of route 501 ran off the opposing side of the road, hit a pedestrian who suffered minor injuries and then drove away. Um, And the next day, uh, Delegate Ferris turned himself in to Virginia police uh, for that incident um, and has now been charged with, I believe it's a hit and run, uh, malicious wounding, and... Reckless driving, I believe, is the third one. Reckless driving is the third one, yes. Um, And so, um, yes. And the sort of some you know, interesting things, uh, s- surrounding this would be, uh, one, um, that, uh, in 2016, Ferris was charged with a hit and run. This one only involving, uh, property damage, uh, and that occurred in late 2015 and he pled guilty of those charges. I think that was just, a hit and run. Um, and then, and that was a misdemeanor and, uh, uh, the the uh, newspaper in Lynchburg, whose name escapes me in this moment,
1: the, the news in advance. And I was actually going to head head yeah. right in that direction that that there are there is more to this story than just a pedestrian being struck. According to the news in advance, uh, we haven't been able to. And I believe they were taking that off of court records that this yes. person knows Ferris and, at, you know, may have been according to, again, according to the news in advance, may have been in the car with him at the time and that uh, there were other things going on within this
2: right they, they, there was you know they're getting it from a court record of a, a written complaint that this person filed, and this person in that complaint claims that they were uh, in the car with Ferris. He was driving recklessly, got upset when they told him to stop uh, there was uh some issues with a tire that was blown while accelerating past someone um, but you know some pretty uh Concerning details or allegations in that. Meanwhile, Ferris's uh, attorneys say that he had dropped a soda and was rooting around for it when this took place. So, uh, definitely going to be. I feel like we're going to be hearing a lot more about this yeah. in, the, in the coming months.
1: Yeah, and and um, one, the General Assembly um, comes back in April, so that you know whether or not he sh- he comes goes back for the veto session uh, still remains to be seen, or any special session in regards to the budget. Um, I should point out he's on the budget writing committee in the house. That's the, he's been a delegate since 2011. Also, um, one interesting thing, he, um, I believe has a primary in June. Um, and also don't forget the entire general assembly is up for election in November. So still remains to be seen if he returns in, uh, the 2024 session. Now I will also say this, it's interesting that it occurred March 2nd because, session ended the weekend before and there is some immunity that comes with being in richmond and serving as a delegate i know that there was one um case several years ago in which the uh current senate minority leader was pulled over for a dui in henrico county um and he actually ended up waiving immunity made a court appearance but um that was an you know um that was a, a discussion you know whether or not he was immune from, from certain charges um mm. during during and this was this is years ago this was like t- almost two decades ago ago at this point um but uh that that occurred uh in henraicher was on sixty four actually actually not far from the exit that both you and I would would use to to go to the station. <laughs> um yeah but, uh, you know, so so it, it's interesting that, that it occurred right after after a session where, where that immunity would not be would not be the case. Um, right. It, so it, 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 and, and I'm not sure it's a blanket immunity, so I'm not sure that that necessarily would cover here. But it's interesting that that, that issue does not come up.
2: Well, and, and it occurred uh, just south of Appomattox
1: on Red House Road.
2: Um, so, yeah, it'll be. I feel like we're going to be talking more
1: about this so very 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 possible uh you know that this becomes a further issue i know he has a court appearance i believe um in a couple of weeks um we're, we're we'll obviously uh, keep an eye on that sticking with the uh house of delegates uh the former house speaker eileen Fillercorn, the first female speaker of the house of delegates first jewish speaker of the house of delegates uh announced today she's not running again um this is another thing that has to deal with a uh, because the lawmakers didn't draw their own maps this time. And, and the court did, there are so many delegates and senators in districts with other senators and delegates that you're seeing people move or quit. It's part of the reason the house minority, the Senate minority leader isn't running because he was put in a, in a district with another Republican. Um, and, uh, Filler Quorum was stuck in the same district with another democratic delegate. And she decided, you know what, it's time for me to, to uh, move on. I may have other plans. She didn't announce them here, but, um, and she didn't say that it was because of this, but it's more than likely because of this. Um, So she's going to hold off. I've seen reports that she may be considering a run for governor in 2025. I don't know if that would be the case that the seat on the democratic side is kind of wide open because Republicans control the statewide seats, so it'll be interesting to see who comes up. Other names I've heard include uh, Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger as well. So 2025 2025 may get very interesting. Now, that being said, let's get through 2023 first, Um, you know, and then we'll worry about 2024 and 2025. But anyways, she's not she's not running again. That now means that if you're if you're scoring at home, the Senate majority leader, the Senate minority leader, the Senate Finance Committee chairwoman and the former house speaker are all not running. Um, and I think Fairfax County alone is losing like 200 years worth of legislative experience. So now to be fair, 80 of that is just uh Senate majority leader, Dick Saslaw and, <laughs> and house delegate, um, Ken Plum, cause they had 40 apiece, but still they're losing like 200 years worth of, of experience, uh, in, yeah. the, in the house, uh, in, uh, the general assembly from Fairfax County. Um, Moving on, you went down to Chesterfield this, uh, this morning uh, for their budget announcement, which, of course, they're doing this budget, as is everyone, without the General Assembly uh, knowing for sure how much money it's sending them. What did uh, Chesterfield have to say about their budget proposal today?
2: Yeah, uh, they uh, went through uh, a long list of sort of features of this new proposed budget. Um, and the fact that the General Assembly hasn't passed a statewide budget did you know, it is involved in all of this. Um, but so one of the one of the things they sort of put first and foremost uh in their presentation on it was um uh education funding. And so apparently Chesterfield schools uh have been trying to figure out for you know uh a couple months now what to do about a sixteen million dollar what they called a gap in funding. Um and so Essentially, in this new budget, they move $20 million over from the general county fund to the school fund, uh, which they said uh, takes, you know, covers half of that $16 million gap. $8 million of that will go to covering that. And their, their hope is that when uh, the state does pass a budget, it will include enough uh, money to sort of patch up the other half of my gap. Um, but you know, education is, um, sort of at the forefront there. Um, they also, you know, like, uh, Henrico made a similar announcement, uh, last week. Uh, they are also sort of working on bumping, uh, salaries for people who work for the County in, in various ways. Um, And I I believe it's they they called it a multi-phase process, and if I understand correctly, they even uh, this sort of started last year, and so this all comes with uh, seven percent raise for teachers, uh, ten percent raise for first responders, um, a performance-based or uh, or a merit-based rather uh, salary increase uh, for other county uh, employees, so they're trying to. They've also raised the minimum wage for working for the county. So uh, you know they're also ha- on this push to sort of make those jobs more competitive um, and raise the salary there. Um, and then from there, it was sort of a uh, a long you know list of things like you know funding expansion on the Poway Parkway. They are. Uh let's see, they're um, get, granting some new tax cuts to local small businesses. Um, you know, there's a lot there that they seem pretty excited about, and they are presenting it to the Board of Supervisors tomorrow. Uh, and from there it's gonna basically go on tour to these various um uh community meetings around Chesterfield all through the month of March. Uh for uh, public uh, comments, basically.
1: Did they discuss it all property tax rates and and those changing at all? Yes, so property tax rates
2: are going to see a cut. Um, That cut, it's dropping from 92 cents for every $100 to 91 cents. Uh, So what's that? Uh, You know, that's $10 for every thousand uh, that, you know, uh, of the appraisal. And um, they basically said that that combined with uh, rates uh, or appraisals dropping somewhat is accomplishing what they were hoping to accomplish with that.
1: Well, I I will say only some appraisals are dropping, not all appraisals (laughs) are are dropping, says says this Chesterfield homeowner. (laughs) That, yes. that, be, that being said, the jump was not that bad. I've seen I've seen much worse in other locations than than what uh, the appraisal was that jumped. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine jumped uh, here in, here in Chesterfield. Um, so again, we've got that budget. St- and if you want full details, you can go to our website. If you're listening here, and you know David's got a story up there with all the details on the on the story as well. Um, other things we're following, uh, the Virginia congressional delegation is going to be making their case to the FBI and the general services administration this week about, uh, moving the FBI headquarters to Springfield. Um, it's the same arguments they were making when they had their press conference a couple of weeks ago. Hey, it's close to Quantico. We already own the land. Um, it fulfills the equity requirements, uh, because Springfield is my, uh, minority majority. And, uh, they're hoping that's that's the case. I think their best case obviously is one. They own the land already and it's much easier to get from Springfield to Quantico than it is from Greenbelt or or another location in Prince George um you know down to, down to Quantico. So that's the argument they're going to make this week and we'll see if the federal government actually decides to go ahead and move the FBI out of the head, out of the Hoover headquarters before the Hoover headquarters falls on itself. So <laughs> Have you ever yeah. been by the uh, the Jagger Hoover Building in in DC? I, I don't believe I have. I'm, I'm racking my brain. I don't think so. It, it's it's right off the mall. It's not far from what used to be the museum and uh, near this near the Smithsonian museums. And it it looks like a building that uh, was you know built you know. And it exists in the fifties, sixties, and seventies, and has, <laughs> and is long past its its useful time. So yes, so yeah. and plus, of course, given that location, I'm sure the federal government, if they knock it down and oh, I don't know, sell the location, they could get it get pretty pretty penny for it. Of course, the last time they did something like that, they had the old uh, old post office location, which is um, became a hotel in DC owned by a certain person who then became the 45th president of the United States. And, um, Understood. there were three, there were, there was a lot of talk about that over the period from 2016 to 2020. So, right. so, but that's no, I don't think, I don't believe, uh, Trump owns it anymore. I believe, uh, president Trump, uh, sold that, or it was passed on to, uh, um, a, a I believe the Waldorf Astoria, Astoria, but I'm not, uh, not sure um, if, if they took it over or not. Again, I didn't come into this podcast researching the ownership of the Trump Hotel in in, in D.C. Yeah.
2: So, I certainly didn't.
1: So, and and final story we cover for you today. If you're looking for a summer job, the Flying Squirrels are hiring. They're having a job fair tomorrow afternoon, and a couple others um, uh, later on uh, in the summer. Later on in the in in March, I should say, um, if you want to. Sell tickets, take tickets, sell concessions, and you need some extra money this summer. The squirrels are are offering jobs, so things to keep an eye on. And if you want to watch a little baseball at the same time, although I don't yeah. recommend, don't uh, recommend you uh, you watch the game while you're supposed to be selling food because you know you won't <laughs> sell as much food. Yeah. Although keep an eye on the field just in case foul balls uh, do do fly back at you. So exactly. so. Anyways, this has been the Tuesday evening edition of It's News to Us. For reporter David Lefkowitz, I'm news director Matt Dumline. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.